you have your Bibles again, uh, Daniel 6. I'm sorry about all the sign-up sheets, but we believe in in-person voting. There's, there's no drop boxes or anything. And by the way, don't sign somebody, to be funny, don't sign somebody else's name up for something. That, that wouldn't be nice. But it is a big help. I know for our senior adult lunches, if, if you're going to come and, and don't sign your name up if you're just hoping to come, but if you know you're coming, this helps us to be wise with what we spend and uh, the money we use. So please help us out on the, uh, like the men's breakfast or the senior adult lunch and sign up for those things. Um, we're um, in Daniel 6, and uh, this is a familiar story about Daniel. Uh, how many have ever heard of Daniel in the lion's den? Yeah, Daniel in the lion's den. Everybody knows the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And <clears throat> it's a good story. And it, 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 we remember, we think about it, Daniel slept in the lion's den. He did. Peter slept in prison. Jesus slept in a storm. And you certainly could sleep in church. But I'm asking you not to this morning. <laughs> Do not sleep. I'm glad you're here. I've always said, I, you know, a person's falling asleep in church. Well, at least they came to church. Amen. That's a good thing. Because I want to uh, challenge you this morning. We're going to learn some things about Daniel's life, things that he did. And there's certainly things that we uh, can do in our life, that we should do in our life. And I, I just want you to uh, listen carefully. As we learn each one of these this morning, I'm going to ask your, to ask yourself this question. I see that what Daniel did, what about me? What about me? And I hope it's a help to you this morning. Um, we're not asking you to compare yourself to Daniel. Uh, if you would hold your place in Daniel 6, we're going to turn back and forth, but turn over to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Just want to look at this real quickly. It's not a good idea to compare yourself to other people. In fact, the Bible says it is not a wise thing. We're going to see that in the verse we're going to read in just a second. It's not wise. What we're talking about is looking at others and thinking, well, I'm, I, I'm better than them. I, I, compared to what they do, I, I do more. Or you can look at someone and say, I can't, I can't do anything for the Lord. Look at what they can do, and I can't do anything. And compare yourself to someone else. And God says that's not a wise thing. Look in 2 Corinthians 10, look in verse 12. It says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, notice the last three words, are not wise. When you begin to compare yourself to someone else, it can be a very crippling thing or a discouraging thing or it can become a prideful thing. And we need to be careful about comparing ourselves to someone else. Look over just a few pages backwards to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We need to realize that God made us just the way we are. And we can begin to compare ourselves. I, I, I can't do anything. Look how they can do, and I can't do nothing. Or 
Look at how, how talented I am. Look at all I can do. And that's not a wise thing. God made us just the way they are. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about believers, uh, that they have believed, and now they're a part of the body of Christ. And I know you've heard the, the passage before. There, there's some noses and some ears and some fingers and toes. They all work together to, to help the body of Christ work better. But not everybody's the same. Not, not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody has certain spiritual gifts. Not everybody has the same natural gifts. How many realize God gives some people some natural gifts? There's some people that can really get up and sing. Uh, and, and maybe you can't. And you go, oh, I just can't do anything. I can't sing. Like maybe there's some people that uh, have some skill or ability. Yeah, but not everybody's the same. And you know what? We need to be content with how God's making. And that doesn't mean make, don't try to improve yourself. What if you could sing somewhat and you'd like to sing better? What, what would be an okay thing to do? Take some singing lessons. Um. I had somebody offer $100,000 for me to take singing lessons. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with trying to improve yourself, but we need to be content with how God made us and not compare ourselves to others. In this verse, look at verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in his own body, as it have what? Pleased him. God made us just the way he wanted. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we begin to compare ourselves, we're saying to God, I don't like how you made me. I don't like how you made me. And we don't want to do that. So be careful about comparing yourself to others. But there's nothing wrong with taking a man from the Bible, a, a spiritual man who loved the Lord, and looking at his life and seeing some of the things he could do and some of the things he did we can do. He was just a man. And we're just men, women. And uh, we can take those traits as character traits and apply them to our life. And so, again, I'm going to challenge you this morning to think about yourself. Don't think about someone else, even if it applies. I'll give you a hint later on. We're going to talk about complaining. Okay? So don't think about your spouse or your neighbor or somebody you work with. Think about yourself. How does this apply to me? And I, I believe it helped. I, I, don't, I didn't uh, choose to speak on this because I know some people in church have this issue. Th this, was, this was very convicting to me, the things that we can see in Daniel's life. So let's look at them now. Here's the first thing. I, I love this. Number one, Daniel did his job. What about me? Look in Daniel chapter 6 again. If you're back there, Daniel 6. It says, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. You know, Daniel did his job. And the question we have to ask ourselves, do I work like that? There's someone to look at, at, at me and what I do, and it could be anything. You could be working, you could be part-time, you could be retired. By the way, do you still have jobs when you're retired? Yes, we do. Uh, uh, if you're in school, you have a job that you got school to do and work and study and things like that. And do I work like Daniel that someone took and examined what he did, the job he did, they couldn't find any fault in him. 
You know, that should be our heart's desire as believers. If you know Christ, to be the best employee, the best owner that there is. And um, look, look in, uh, again, verse 4. It says, he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault in finding him. What was his job? Well, his job, if you look in verse 1, he was set over the kingdom, over 120 princes. And then in verse 2, it says, and over these three presidents. Boy, aren't you glad the United States don't have three presidents? Uh, but uh, over these three presidents, whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto him, and the king should have no damage. And he was preferred, it says in verse 3, above all those other presidents. He did a great job. Now you're saying, well, he, that's, he had to do a great job. He had an important job. Listen, any job you have is important. You know why? Because God gave it that job. He placed you there. And we ought to be the best employee that we can be. Daniel did his job. What about me? Let's look at several things that Daniel did. First of all, Daniel was not lazy. Daniel was not lazy. We should not be lazy employees. You shouldn't be a lazy owner. Uh, it should be known that you're the hardest worker at a whatever particular job that you do. And not be lazy. You know, I used to work for a big sporting goods company and I was a footwear buyer. I bought athletic shoes for all our stores. And it was always interesting. They, the, the salesman would come in and try to sell you. And if they really wanted to put the pressure on you, they'd bring the sales manager in. And I never, I never liked the sales manager because they acted like you were a buddy and you never seen him before in your life. <laughs> and they always had the same line. They would come in and go, well, how, how long have you worked here? And I would look at him and say, ever since the boss threatened to fire me. <laughs> that would throw him for a loop, by the way. But you know what? That shouldn't be the case with us. We shouldn't do a good job because we're being lazy and our, our boss has to get on us. We, we should not be lazy people. Here's the second thing. This is a convictor. I, I, Daniel was on time. Daniel was on time. You know, if you have a job, you need to be on time. That's a terrible testimony to be late. I understand that things can happen sometime. I'm talking about, you probably all work places. You've seen somebody's chronically late. That shouldn't be a name of a Christian. You, you show up on time. Thirdly, Daniel was responsible. He was responsible. He knew his duties and he made sure they were taken care of. You know, sometimes we have duties and jobs uh, that we really don't want to do. There's a lot, of, a lot of things to do, and there's one particular thing that we really don't put the time in we should because we just don't like doing it. But you know what? We need to be responsible as, as employees and workers. The next thing, Daniel was, now it doesn't say in the passage, but I would assume Daniel was cheerful you know, when you go to work and you're a believer and you're on a job, you ought to be the happiest person there. Don't be a grumpo pants. Anybody know any grumpo pants? <laughs> I'm sitting next to one. Don't be a, you should be cheerful. Why? We have something to be cheerful about. Because we know Christ. And, and what a testimony that is if you're having struggles. 
and, and you're still cheerful. People look at that, man, what, what's the difference in that guy's life? What's the difference in that lady's life? Because we're cheerful. Next, Daniel was faithful. He's faithful to his job. That means he could, he, he would, he could be dependent on. You know, you want to be somebody that your boss can depend on. If you're a boss, you ought to be somebody the employees can depend on. You ought to be faithful. And lastly, Daniel was honest. Should there be any question about that? We are always to be honest. Don't take things that, you're, that don't belong to you. Don't uh, take wages and you're not really doing the job. That's, to me, that's stealing. Okay, be honest. You should be uh, no question of your honesty that the people you work with, your, your boss, could trust you with their life because you're dependable and honest. So that's the first thing Daniel did. How about you? When it comes to your job, you're at work, what about me? That's what we should be asking ourselves. Can, do I work like that? Number two, Daniel was convicted for his faith. What about me? Daniel 6 and verse 5, it says, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they realized they couldn't, he was just a tremendous worker and did his job. He couldn't find any fault or error or anything he did that was dishonest. He was just tremendous. Well, we, we will catch him because we, we don't want him to be our boss. We don't want him to have that position. It'll be because of his faith. And we, we can get him that way. Let me ask this question. You've heard it at churches before, I'm sure. Would there be evidence to convict me if, we were, if it were against the law to be a Christian? Can somebody come to your job? Could they come to your home? And there's evidence. Hey, look, that guy, that lady is a Christian. Look at what they do. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? There was for Daniel. They, they, it was, they said, that's the only way we're going to get evidence to him because he's faithful to his God. And that's very convicting. Would there be enough evidence? What if it was against the law to go to church? Would you go? You know, a lot of people in some countries have to do that. They have to go to an underground church, which is still very dangerous. You get caught, you can, all kinds of things can happen to you. And it's against the law to go to church, to have a church, and they go. Would you go if you were in that situation? Would you, if you couldn't have a Bible or read your Bible or share the gospel or pray before meals? If you went to a restaurant and you tried to pray before a meal, they would tackle you and haul you off? Would there be evidence that you, something's different about you? And Daniel, there was. He was faithful to his God. There was evidence, and he, he did get in trouble, but he was faithful to it. So Daniel was convicted for his faith. What about me? Do I live that in my life? And that's a very convicting thing. That's something we all grow into. Listen, hopefully as we grow as Christians, there will be more and more evidence in our life. Does that make sense? And more evidence. We, we ought, and there ought to be plenty of things that people could see that, hey, there's something different about that person. 
Let's move on to the third one. Daniel was not ashamed of his faith. What about me? In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. You know, he wasn't ashamed of what he believed. You know, the windows are wide open, just like always. He didn't hide behind the windows or shut the shutters and or ducked into the bathroom and shut the door and prayed in there. He wasn't ashamed of what he believed. How about us? And by the way, if we boldly stand for the Lord, and with no, no apologies for our faith, and by the way, when, you, when you're butting heads with someone about the faith, you always speak the truth in love. Trying to, to reach them, trying to get them to understand the gospel. Trying, if they're another believer, trying to, to encourage and help them. But are you willing to stand for your faith? Or are you embarrassed? I don't want to be known with those Christians. I don't want to uh, be there. And by the way, when you, when you stand for the Lord, there could be a price. What was Daniel's price? It was the lion's den. That was quite a, you know, we get all worried because, you know, if, we, if we're not, we stand for the Lord, somebody's going to make fun of us. Or our, our friends will reject us. Our family might reject us. And so we, we get very discouraged. But Daniel was not ashamed of his faith. What about, what about you? What about me? In um, Luke chapter 9, verse 26, you ought to just write that down. It talks about Jesus coming back, and he says, when he comes back, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Now, I want you to understand that verse is not talking about salvation. Basically, when, you, when you're ashamed of the Lord and you don't do anything for him because you're, you're, you're scared of what might happen or you're just ashamed, he, he's going to be ashamed in the fact that he can't reward you the way he wants to. Doesn't, that's not talking about going to heaven or hell, just so you know that. But we need to move on because this next thing I'm going to spend just a, a few more minutes on. Number four, Daniel didn't complain. What about me? What about me? Look in Daniel 6 again, in verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went out and complained to all his neighbors. How unfair that was. Is that what he did? No, that's not what he did. Look in verse 11. And these... Men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication for his God. And Daniel said, what are you spying on me for? That's, nobody should spy. That's, that's terrible. You're, you're being mean, and I, I don't like you, and I, and I think some bad thing's supposed to happen to you. No, he, he just prayed like he always did. Look in verse, uh, verse 16. Verse 16, thank you. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. He didn't go, wait a minute, king, this is not fair, this is not right. I, I have something else to do today. I, this is my day to do my laundry, and I don't, I, you're not letting me do my laundry. Did he complain? The answer is absolutely not. Hey, listen, we need to understand something. Turn to, quickly, hold your place here in Daniel to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians, in your New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. And this is a very important truth that we need to get. 
If you want to fill in your blank, it's this. Complaining is a poor testimony. Complaining is a poor testimony. In Philippians chapter 2, uh, it says in verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And you could throw complaining in right that, okay? That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom he shines lights in the world. In other words, we need to be a good testimony. You know, the unsaved world, that, that, they live in this world of complain, 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 and complain. Let me ask you a question. Do you like being around somebody that complains all the time? No, if you're honest, you don't like it. Then why would you do it? It's a poor testimony. Don't be a complainer. Look, God knows that we have needs. He does know that. And God recognizes that there are situations on earth that need our attention. But the way to solve those things is not by complaining about them. You know, I don't, I, my social security check isn't big enough. I, I uh, and complain and complain and complain. And here's something we need to recognize is letter B. It doesn't fix anything. Do you understand that? If you have a situation, you went to Home Depot and they sold you something and, and it, it, as soon as you opened the package, it broke. Well, could, you could complain about it, but what, what could be okay to do? Is to take it back and, and try to, to, to it. What if they didn't take it back? Well, they, they say they have super service and they don't do I hope there's no Home Depot employees here. <laughs> okay, you could you know, insert your own thing. But um, complaining doesn't fix anything. There are situations that are going to come up in life that are not ideal for us, struggles and problems. <coughs> and uh, we need to realize that complaining is not going to fix it. Yet, we, why do we do it? Nobody wants to hear it. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. Probably it's going to make you more miserable because you complain. And I say you. I, I would say me too. We complain. And uh, Daniel wasn't a complainer. How about us? It doesn't fix anything. Uh, I want to give you four solutions to complaining. Four solutions to complaining. Here's the first one. Number one, realize that complaining is dangerous. It is dangerous. 1 Corinthians 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, if you want to turn or you can, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. I'm talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. And it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So if they're an example to us that God's leaving for us, what is it we can learn about someone who murmurs and complains? God doesn't like it. <laughs> God doesn't like it. He doesn't like us to be complainers. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to have a good testimony so we have more of an impact sharing the gospel. And it, so it's a dangerous. Here the Israelites were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, I'm not saying if you go out today and complain, eh, Pastor Rick preached over and I can't stand it and, and that, that the destroyer is going to come and destroy you, but he might. <laughs> no, he, he won't, 
but God doesn't like it. That's what we need to learn from that passage. Number two, we need to remember that God knows what he's doing. You remember Joseph? God knows what he's doing. Joseph, he got thrown in a hole, mistreated by his brothers. Then he got sold into slavery. Then he got falsely accused. Then he got thrown in prison. Then he got forgotten in prison. All those things happen. And if you read his account in the book of Genesis, there's not one complaint. He never complained. In fact, he got it that God knows what he's doing. Um, you see in your notes here, we're not going to turn there. Genesis 50, 20. When their father died, Joseph's brother said, now he's going to get us because dad's not around you know, anymore and he's going to punish us for how we treated him. And Joseph said, hey, you know, that's, that's not God's plan. He, he said, because you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, that it might save this day many people alive. If it wasn't for Joseph, all his family would have starved to death. All of Egypt probably would have starved to death. But Joseph realized, hey, what God's doing in my life is good for me, and it's good for others. Remember, what God knows what he's doing. So if you have something that's a struggle that makes you want to complain, now wait a minute, wait a minute, God's working something in my life. Number three, it's uh, put away past complaints. Again, we're, we're running out of time this morning, so we're not going to turn to that passage. But in that passage, it talks about a struggle you had with someone in the past, and you're still kind of holding a, a complaint against what they did. What, what do we need to do as Christians? We need to let go of that. We need to forgive. Complaining leads to resentment, and resentment leads to bitterness. Bitterness will destroy us. So put away past complaints. And this is, this is the best one. Number four, keep giving thanks. Keep giving thanks. So when these situations come up in life that might tempt us to complain and, 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 and all that, give God thanks for them. Now, this is not some weird power of positive thinking kind of formula, you know. Just give thanks. But the truth of the matter is, we ought to give thanks, because this is why. Whatever goes on in your life, God is at work in my life through my circumstances. That's how you give thanks for it. Instead of complaining, hallelujah, God's working in my life. And I think that was Daniel's attitude, too. How about you? When you have a struggle... Or you, you want to complain about it, which doesn't fix anything. Nobody wants to hear that. It makes you miserable. Or will you thank God and say, God, thank you for working in my life. But we need to move on. We need to move on. Number five. Number five. And this is another thing very similar to what we just said. Number five, Daniel didn't blame others. What about me? In Daniel 6, in verse 16 uh, Daniel 6, verse 16, he says this. Uh, the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the lion's den. And, and now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thy service continually, he will deliver you. Daniel didn't go, wait a minute, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. You know, blaming others has been around since the very beginning. Remember Adam? Why'd you do that? Uh, my wife, that lady you gave me. 
He's really blaming the lady and God. Yeah, I see. What about you? Well, the devil made me do it. And they blamed. How about Aaron? When Moses come down from the mountain, he had the golden calf. And the, oh, it was the people. They said they needed something to worship. And so I threw the gold in the fire and out jumped out a golden calf with a bad excuse, too. Think about Saul. When Saul was supposed to utterly destroy the Amalekites, they spared animals and spared King Agag. And when Samuel confronted him, he goes, uh, it was the people. They spared them. They spared them. Think about Pilate. Pilate said, well, I, you know, I find no fault with man. But you, you know, it's not on me, it's on you. Blame someone else. Isn't that a, a, a bane on our society today? Uh, I, it's just it's terrible. It's never my fault. And they want to blame others. And we need to remember this. And look on your notes there. Remember this. Blaming others never works. It never works. Why? Well, Numbers 32, 23 tell us, be sure your sins will find you out. And we, we, if we've done wrong, we can blame others all we want, but be sure your sin will find you out. It will. And uh, it doesn't work. Um, you write down Romans 2, 6. That's the verse we look at. It says, we'll answer for ourselves, not for somebody else. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, where believers are, and it says that we're going to be judged according to things that we've done in our bodies. Uh, it, you know, it's a terrible thing. The reason I did the, this is because my mom and dad were not good mom and dad. It's their fault. So if you stood before God and said, well, the reason I did this, or I didn't do what I was supposed to do for the Lord is because my mom and dad, God, because... I'm not worried about your mom and dad. I'm worried about what you did. And so, stop blaming others. It doesn't work. Here's four helps to stop blaming others. We could just get this. Number one, always tell the truth. Always say, why do people blame other people? Well, I know I, we have the Christian school here. You know what? Kids, they blame someone else because so, they don't want to get in trouble. It never fails. Uh, hey, are you talking? No, they were talking. They were talking. And of course, I, I'm getting old, and, and I have glasses, but I still see pretty good. And I, I looked and I saw your head facing to them and your lips moving. <laughs> now, maybe they were talking too, but instead of trying to blame someone else, say, yes, sir. But we don't, we don't want to blame because we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to look bad. We don't, uh, uh, we're trying to avoid punishment. So we blame others. So always tell the truth. God is a God of truth. The truth will set you free. Then number two, if you're guilty, stop making excuses. You know, I believe most people will quickly forgive those who take responsibility for their actions. You're more likely, what, what gets you upset? If somebody lies to you, makes excuses, and they won't own up to what they did, and you don't get a very favorable impression of them. But they say, say hey, I was wrong, and I, 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 I want to take the consequences for my action. And you're more likely to forgive them very quickly because they did that. Uh, 
Number three, it's very similar. If you're wrong, admit it and accept the consequences. Now, we're running out of time this morning. I want you to write a verse under that. Psalms 32.5. And in that verse, David says, hey, I, I sin, but God, you know, I, I accept the fact that I sin and the consequences, but, you know, God has forgiven me. But this is the big one. I love this one. Number four, this will help you not to blame others, is to be humble. Be humble. Be humble. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And again, you don't have to turn there. You can if you get there fast. I'm going to read it for you. It's a wonderful verse. And it says this. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but to the, giveth grace unto the humble. So when you do something, and maybe it's something you shouldn't do, instead of blaming people, Say, I was wrong. God, please forgive me. And what's God going to do? He's going to give you grace. But you have to humble yourself. That's to admit, hey, I, I was at the wrong here. And, and not be one that blames others. Daniel didn't blame others. And what a good testimony. testimony. What about me? The question we should ask ourselves this morning, what about me? Number six. We're almost done. Daniel gave God credit. What about me? Back in Daniel 6, they, he spent the night in the lion's den. The king came. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. And in verse 22, it's, it's interesting. He says, what's the first two words in verse 22? My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me. Um, he gave credit to God. You know, those liberal types want to say this. Well, Daniel lines in, that wasn't some miraculous thing. The lions just weren't hungry. The lions just weren't hungry. Uh, maybe da Daniel was an acrobat, and he could run and jump up and hold onto a bar or something and pull his legs out of the way all night long. They just weren't hungry, though, and that's why he didn't get eaten. Well, if you read later on in the story, the king took all those people that accused Daniel and threw them in the lion's den. It said the lions ate them about the same time they hit the bottom. They were very hungry. So God did a miracle and shut the lion's mouth, sent the angel to shut their mouth. God gave, Daniel gave God credit. What about me? Whatever you do in your life, we need to give God credit. You know, something you hear all the time, someone has, maybe they have a, a nice home, and there's nothing wrong with having a nice home, uh, maybe a nice car and all kinds of stuff, and they say, man, I worked hard for that. I worked hard for that all my life, and I, I, that's due me. What should they be saying? Well, thank God he blessed me with that. Give God the credit. I built um, my, my log cabin house I lived in. I didn't build all of it, but I built a lot of it myself. And people come over and they go, hey, this was really nice. And I said, well, if you see something that looks nice, praise God. Give God the credit for that. If you see something that's crooked and bad, I'll take credit for that. <laughs> you want to give God credit. Maybe you sing good. You know, give God credit. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a voice. Help me use it for you. Give him the credit. When you accomplish something in life, sometimes you watch football games and those guys go down on your knee and you hope that they're sincere. But one thing you could say, they're trying to give God credit. Trying to give God credit, and we should. Daniel gave God credit. What about me? 
And then the last point this morning, number seven, Daniel believed God. What about me? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 23, it says, Then the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him. Now notice this last phrase, because he what? He believed in his God. He believed what God promises. How about you? Do you believe what God promises? Do you believe him? Let me give you four examples real quick. In your hand out there, do I believe that Jesus is coming back? Now, with the current events over in Israel, you, you might feel like it's getting close. And it is. By the way, every second it goes by, it's closer to when he's coming back. Do you believe that? A lot of people, a lot of Christians say, I, and they really do, they believe that Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back all the way to the earth and plant his feet on the Mount of Olives and come down and take, establish a kingdom. But are you living your life like he's coming back? You know, the book of 1 John says this, that, we, that whatever we do, we want, to, we want to do what's right so we won't be ashamed at his appearing. And if we really believe that he's coming back, are we living our lives that way? Like there's not much time left. Do you believe God? Number two there, I don't think it says number two, but do I believe that he sees all that I do? You know, if you have a right view of God, he's a God that does see everything we do. He's everywhere present. He knows us. He knows even our thoughts. He knows everything about us, everything that we do, every thought that we take. How come sometimes we live like he doesn't see that? Well, I, you know, I want, this is something I maybe know I shouldn't do, but I, maybe if I turn the lights down, God won't see me. Uh, God sees us whatever we do. We ought to live our life and have that impact our life, that he knows us. Well, I'm here at Home Depot. They jip me. I'm not complaining, but I'm going to yell at them and, have, and be mean to them because God doesn't see what I do and say at Home Depot. I don't know why I'm picking a Home Depot. Lowe's. Lowe's. But look, um, do you believe that he sees all he do? It should have an impact on you. Daniel believed God. What about me? The next one. Do I believe that he will provide my needs? Provide my needs. Many times when it comes to giving of our treasure, our time, our talent, we hold back because if I, if I spend that time... There's time, I'm going to lose time to do something for myself. Or if I, I give that money, I won't be able to, you know, to go to Burns Steakhouse or whatever it is. Um, um, do you believe God will provide your needs? He says he will. What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so, do you hold back, or do you believe that God will provide my needs? And last there on your list, do I believe that Christ is all I need? You know, a lot of people say, I can't be happy unless I have this, unless my, my bank account's like this, unless my health is like this, unless my job is like this, unless my home is like this. And we need to realize, I think like Daniel did, that Christ is everything you need. 
And by the way, if you believe that and you trust him for that, what does he say? He'll provide our needs. And by the way, he'll bless you beyond that. I believe that many times. But at the very least, he's going to give you what you need. Do you believe that today? Close your Bibles and look up here. It's past time. Now, my challenge to you this morning is not to think again about someone next to you or someone down the street, but think about you. What about me? Do I work like Daniel works so that nobody can find occasion to uh, blaspheme God and say, look at how, what a disappointment that Christian is? Do you, if, if it was against the law all of a sudden to be a Christian, would there be evidence to, to convict you? How about, are you a complainer? Remember, complaining doesn't fix anything. It won't fix it. People don't want to hear it. What's better to do? Trust God and, you know, realize that he always has the best for me. And, hey, uh, he's working in these tough circumstances to bring honor and glory to himself. I'm so glad he's working for me. I'm thankful that he's working for me. How about blaming others? Daniel didn't blame others, neither should we. If you make a mistake, own up to it, especially to God. And then to people maybe you've hurt. And ask for forgiveness. Don't let that turn to bitterness. And don't blame others. Don't make excuses. Be honest. Be honest with God and honest with people. And just simply, do you believe God? There's a lot of things in the Bible that we can understand about God. You say, you know, I believe that. And if that's true, we need to let it impact our life and make us be different, different than we were the day before. Because I believe God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Now, this message I shared this morning was for believers, those that knows, knows Christ. But uh, if you don't know for sure that if you'd have died today or 10 years from today where you'd be, you need to understand what Christ has done for you. You see, we're all sinners. Every one of us are. And because we're sinners, we owe a debt, a penalty to God. And uh, and, and good works won't pay that penalty. You being here today, coming to church, or listening by live stream, that's a good work. And good works can't save us because good works won't pay the penalty. In fact, God said the penalty for sin is death. And that's exactly why Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and that is to pay the debt of our sins. Jesus died on the cross for you, and he paid the debt of your sins. And he rose again from the dead, dead to prove that debt was paid. And now he offers to each one here everlasting life, a home in heaven, not based on anything good you could do, but based on what Christ has already done for you. Jesus died for you. He paid your sin debt, and he'll give you everlasting life if you'll trust him for it. That's what it believe means in the Bible. Will you believe God when he says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word believe means to trust, rely upon. And if you never have, I encourage you to trust Christ to be your Savior. You can do it right where you're seated. Right where you're seated. If you don't know what to say, say something like this to God. God, I don't understand everything, but I know I'm a sinner. And I know... I can't be good enough to pay for my sins. 
but I believe Jesus died for me and he paid for my sins. And he rose from the dead. And right now, just to best know how, I'm trusting Jesus as my only hope for heaven. I'm trusting him to, to save me and give me everlasting life. If you've never prayed that before, you don't have to pray it over and over because you, you trust Christ. He gives you everlasting life. So let me again encourage you, if you never have, uh, just, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died for me, and the best know how I'm trusting him to save me and give me everlasting life. And I encourage you to do that if you've never done it before. If you have done it before, again, we can learn from Daniel's life. What will we learn today? We ought to take those things that we covered and think about them and go, what about me? Am I doing the things that I should do? Or am I doing the things that I can do? And I hope that's your desire this morning. Father, again, we thank you for each one that came this morning. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for our time here. Please, please bless uh, the rest of this day. Help us come back tonight to hear your word preached. And uh, Father, we do thank you that we can have eternal life through faith alone in Christ alone, and we can know we have it. And Father, we thank you for the lesson about Daniel and his life and what kind of person he was. Father, help us uh, emulate that. Help us realize that we can do those same things and you'll be well pleased. Uh, Father, we just, again, pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.